0: Than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. People really believe tall buildings to a single bound. The incident of shipbound is now the man of steel. Superman! Welcome to Superman Forever Radio, episode 75. I'm your host wild-mannered, and bleary-eyed host, J. David Weider. It is 5.31 a.m. A.M. On May 18th, 2013. Which, by my count, puts this episode at maybe the longest production ever at one month before the episode comes out. I am awake. Actually quite bushy-eyed. I say I'm bleary-eyed, which isn't entirely true. I'm actually quite alert and... Kind of psyched because I am going to drive 30 minutes to another town to get tickets to the Man of Steel, which has been a big part of this show. So I wanted to share this experience with you because I want to go to the 3D IMAX here in town, here in Springfield. But the Walmart that is selling tickets for that is literally about two towns over, about 30 minutes away. So I am hopping on the highway now off to wait in line for almost two hours, I'm assuming. Well, not assuming. They start selling at 8 a.m. So I'll be there for about two hours waiting to get my tickets. Good times. This is what I do for my fandom. This is what I want, you know... This is what I want to do is get up at 5 in the morning and drive to get movie tickets. Sometimes I wonder if I should rethink my priorities. Um... I was thinking, this is just a few minutes later, about six minutes later, oh, the drastic change. Um, Last night, I I went to a different Walmart to pick up some snacks for my wife, who wasn't feeling well. And um, I think that was when I saw the first Superman Man of Steel display, you know, with Henry Cavill, the Superman merchandise. Of course, I picked a few things up, a poster, a lanyard, flashlight, some cups, some t-shirts... I have an addiction, so <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hedge. But as I'm standing there looking at this stuff, perusing it, I started hearing the trailer play on the bank of TVs because it's near the movies at my Walmart, near the the audiovisual section, whatever you want to call that, electronics. And I'm just standing there, and there's all this Superman merchandise in front of me, the trailers playing. You know, in you know, thinking in the back of my head, you know, in just a few hours. About 12 hours, I'm going to be getting up to go get the tickets for this movie that's less than a month away. And I think this was the very first time it hit me that finally, finally, this is our summer. As Superman fans, after years of Dark Knight Dominion, you know, we had the Avengers being huge last year. Finally, it's our time. We have a movie on its way out, we have a superhero. We have our superhero on a cheese it box. And Twizzlers, it's everywhere. And it was just... the. F- I think it was the moment when I went from excited to elated. It, it, became, it became suddenly so very, very, very real to me. And I just... It, it was for a moment, and I hate to admit this. This sounds so horrible. But I was really overwhelmed for about a minute and a half there. Where it was just... Just pure excitement, pure happiness that this is happening. That we're going to have this major movie. Which seems to be having a lot of reaction. And it's going to be in theaters um, less than a month from now. And I just... I'm really hoping that I don't regret getting up at this time of morning. (laughs) Because I'm not a morning person. And I've only slept for a few hours. However, luckily I feel good thanks to the excitement. That's going to wear off later. But... uh, I really uh yeah, really hope that I end up regretting it. So if you're listening to this, in just a few minutes I'm a, I'm going to be talking about the movie having having actually seen it. So for the first time I can actually say hi future me. Take it away. It is now 6.20 a.m. on my little adventure. I am at Walmart in little town of Marshfield, which is the only theater selling IMAX 3D tickets and at 6.20 there is nobody in line in fact the staff was beginning to look at me very awkwardly <laughs> so I, I picked up and, and left for a little bit I will come back but at this time I, I don't think that the line is going to be exuberant however as I told the lady at the... oh crap now I'm lost as I told the lady at the register as I was buying the uh, the movie guide you know, we're, we're hardcore. Fans are hardcore. We've been waiting for a long time. I was kind of surprised that half the staff didn't really know what was going on. Now bear in mind, I am in this extremely tiny, rural, um, well, country town. <laughs> I'll just call it what it is. And uh, I don't think that this is so much their jam, if you will. And I cannot get out of the Walmart parking lot! It's like a parking lot within a parking lot. Did Christopher Nolan make this parking lot? I just want to get back to the main road. There there were literally three parking lots. There's the large main Walmart parking lot and two smaller ones for small shopping centers in the middle. I expected to meet David Bowie throwing babies in the air. Ah. Uh, anyway, having seen that there is really no activity at this Walmart yet... And it is an hour and a half before the tickets technically go on sale at the electronics register. I am going to run over here to McDonald's. I'm going to keep my eye out for other fanboys who who may be arriving. But, yeah, you know, know, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed. Um, And maybe we'll see something here in about 30 minutes as far as movement on the front of people showing up to buy tickets. But I would expect that some of the people in my town which has two main comic shops and several small ones but the, the density of fanboy activity in my town is kind of interesting there's a lot of them a lot of various interests but we're kind of packed like sardines in this town which makes collecting pretty competitive so I would expect with that sort of Density of fanboy population or fangirl population, fan population, that uh, I would have seen more of a turnout because really the drive wasn't bad. As I mentioned, I left at 5:30 a.m. and I was here at 6:04. Because so I mean, I have been in Walmart, walked around, checked for the jor figure, Movie Masters figure, and made a purchase and walked out. As, as it, in the time since I recorded since I picked up this recording so I am going to go here to Walmart grab a quick bite to eat enjoy myself a sausage biscuit I may try the try something different this time but and then I will come back to continue to chronicle my my early morning adventure to get tickets this is another crazy parking lot what do they do? do they just hire like Prankster to build their parking lots? This is a parking lot within a parking lot again. Dude, no. And now it's present day me. Having skipped uh or actually if I want to say it honestly, having lost a portion of my memos that day, uh kind of jumping ahead to present day. I have seen Man of Steel. I am going to talk about it further. Uh if you want to hear my immediate reaction, which was the original plan was to do an immediate reaction and then a more level-headed, processed reaction. If you want to hear my immediate reaction, I got together with a group of my fellow Superman podcasters, Jeffrey Taylor, John M. Wilson, Michael Bradley, Michael Bailey, and kind of gave my immediate reaction. Uh, That is available, if you're looking on iTunes, it is on the Thrilling Adventures of Superman feed. Uh, If you're looking elsewhere, you can find it on supermanforever.com or at greatcrypton.com. On Facebook, it's been around. So that was my immediate reaction. I'm going to give my more thought-out reaction towards the end of the show. Um, Mainly because uh, it's very, very spoiler-centric, so I don't want to put that right up front. So the spoilers will come later, hence there's no spoiler warning on the post. Uh, Before we do that, a couple of things. One I want to remind you that, or at least inform you, uh, Ace Kilroy Season 2. Ace Kilroy is a webcomic, a really, really, really good webcomic, by Robert Kelly. And Dan O'Connor, Robert Kelly, we know from Fire & Water Podcast. Um, Just take Indiana Jones and put him up against Universal Monsters, a dash of humor, a dash of adventure. You've got this great mix. And to support putting it out in print form, which is my preferred reading, uh, webcomics are a little bit of a frustration for me, but to put it out in print form, they are running a Kickstarter right now for Season 2. They have some of the best perks I've ever seen. Um, It's going, uh, as of we speak... So please, go check that out. If you need to, just Google Ace Kilroy. Ace, it's spelled A-C-E, first word. Second word, Kilroy, K-I-L-R-O-Y. And then use the word Kickstarter, all one word. <clears throat> uh, but before we get into the Man of Steel stuff, which is an important event for this show, it's an important thing to me because it's the end of a chapter for this show. We're closing a a chapter in history for the show. I'm going to talk about how big of an event this is at at that point. But the evolution of this movie, its genesis, it's been a part of Superman Forever Radio from when the show began in October of 2010. So we're kind of looking at the closing of a door, but the opening of a window. So later on, spoiler-filled review, top-to-bottom, Man of Steel. Um, First, I was graciously invited to a local library in Willard on June 15th to celebrate Superman Day by giving a presentation about Superman and media to a great group of people, mostly kids, which was awesome. So I was allowed to record that, and I thought, well, that's a great thing to throw on my podcast. Now, you can hear my nervousness, because I'm not really a public speaker. Um, now I wasn't entirely comfortable. I had a great bit of support from Michael Bailey, my friends John, uh, John uh, Oliver, I uh, had a lot of support, my wife, my friend Travis Pyle. Uh, I was a, I, I didn't know how to prepare for this, because I wasn't sure about the age range of people I was talking to. I didn't want to script myself, so you can hear me kind of stumble a little bit more than I normally would. I had a group of images loaded up to kind of show evolution, pictures of the Fleischer, but uh, we weren't able to get that the projector or the TV to work correctly, or I wasn't, I don't know. So, I had no... You know, Once again, anything I do live ends up being by the seat of my pants. So bear that in mind when you hear the audio, but the library was very gracious. Uh, The general manager was fantastic. She gave me a great introduction. And then what you're going to hear is me picking up right after that introduction. I'll be back after the audio for Man of Steel talk. I I never need an excuse to talk Superman. Yeah, like she said, I, I actually do several Superman shows. I do a show called Superman Forever Radio where I just cover whatever comes into my head. Uh, we do a show called Superman in the Bronze Age, which covers Superman comics from about nineteen seventy to about nineteen eighty-six. And um, basically what I'm looking at today is Superman as a media figure because we have this new movie, maybe you've heard of it, like a little indie film called Man of Steel. anybody seen it yet? I've heard of it. You've heard of it a little bit? I did, I'm gonna see it next week. It's uh it's apparently uh, making records. It's uh, fifty six million in one day. Yep. This is the fastest I've ever seen a movie where they said, yeah, we're going to make a second one. It's already go. So they've already confirmed a second one. Um, with Superman, though, the thing I've always found fascinating is he starts in the comics. But when we see him in other media, they will start bringing in things from those. So he's one of these characters that just exploded. As soon as he hit the scene, he started popping up here, there, and everywhere. And suddenly he was all over the place. There are about five characters that are instantly recognizable globally. You have, bumping the microphone, you have Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, I um, almost said Green Arrow, wow, um, Robin Hood, Mickey Mouse, and Superman. You can go to Japan, you can go to Africa, and if you have that symbol on, they will recognize that. It's international, it's global. And also, it's kind of interesting to note that there are three comic book related movies on the top 10 movies of all time three out of 10 but none of this would have happened if not for superman because he is the first superhero everybody likes to think batman started it no superman was the first one to pop down with powers you know he's uh does anybody have that supergirl comic where she's lifting the car it's right there it would have been to your right Yep, This is an homage, I, w- I had an image of it, but this is an homage to Action Comics number 1, which was cover dated June 1938. It actually would have been out April 1938, 75 years ago. <sighs> Nobody had seen a guy lifting a car, or a guy running from a guy lifting a car, which would be me. No, I'm out. <laughs> but as soon as he hit they didn't have things like overnight successes. There wasn't a such thing because it took so long for them to even find out this thing was selling like mad. Um, he, was re- he was created by a couple guys from Cleveland, Ohio, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who they kept trying to get this thing published over and over and over again and he just they just kept getting rejected. Finally, one guy just needed a feature. He was like, sure, we'll publish that. No idea. No idea how big this would become. And that was where Action Comics number one came from and... I think people people went to it because he was this guy sticking up for the little guy in the middle of a Great Depression. Nobody had any money. <laughs> Everybody was poor. It was sad. And here's this guy. It's like, I'm going to do good things. Um, but as soon he started popping up in other media pretty quick. By the 1939 World's Fair, we had the first person to put on the costume in real life. July 4th, 1939 was Superman Day. And you had Ray Middleton. I wish I still had that picture. But he had this okay Superman costume. They actually had the word Superman across the S and that was still developing, but that's a year, a little over a year later. That's pretty big. And then he next went into radio. He made his debut on radio on February 12th, 1940. And it was a radio show called the adventures of Superman. And there was a guy named Bud Collier who played Superman. And he did this thing with his voice. He was the first one to distinguish Clark Kent from Superman. Cause when it came time to change, he would say the line, this looks like a job for Superman. And, you know, we've seen that visually, but radio, you know, you've got your eyes closed. You've got to imagine it. And we had Joan Alexander as Lois. Now, the radio show gave us a little rock. Anybody know what the green rock is called? Kryptonite. Came from the radio show because Bud Collier wanted a vacation. He did, He's like, I need a day off. Uh, so they're like, throw, throw the rock in there. And he basically had another actor in there just moaning every now and then. So. Um, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen came directly from the radio show Perry White, his editor from the radio show he soaked that right in and became part of the mythology and then the first time he appeared on screen though which is the important part was in a series of cartoons made by the Fleischer Studios and they were in serial form they would actually be on the big screen and they would play one every weekend these things are amazing Uh, Fleischer made cartoons out of Popeye Betty Boop um, their animation was on par with Disney. Disney was very young, and really Fleischer would have gone a long way, but it was two brothers, and they constantly, constantly fought. And um, to see these cartoons, they're available on YouTube. If you just look up Fleischer, Superman, all of them, there were, seven, there were 18, 17, pardon me, 17. Uh, you can look them up under Fleischer, Superman. First nine are actually made by Fleischer, the rest were made by Famous Studios. They used a technique called rotoscoping, where they would take a real person, um, you know, say he's catching a boulder. So we, they would take, film a real person catching that. They would draw the animation over it. So you have these animation styles that still haven't been seen. And has anybody ever heard of Batman, the animated series? Good show, right? Yeah. Really unique look. They were inspired by these. Uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim were separately watching these. They're like, wow, what if they did Batman in this style? So think about that opening credits with the dark skies all came from these. So if you get a chance, uh, they're available on DVD pretty cheap because they're in, they're in public domain. Catch them on DVD, look them up on YouTube. They are gorgeous. Uh, but this actually took in the radio show cast. So you had Bud Collier doing the, this is a job for Superman. And, uh, they were distributed by Paramount, but like I said, Fleischer kind of went, fell through with all the infighting, and another studio completed the last eight. Now, Superman was not the first superhero on the big screen, unfortunately. He was the first superhero, but another superhero slid right in. Captain Marvel had a serial before that, where it was kind of like a TV show. you go in every week, you'd see a new chapter. But Superman did get his own serial, and it exploded Uh, That premiered, it was a 15-chapter serial that premiered January 5th, 1948. We had this guy named Kirk Allen, who was playing Superman, but he only listed himself as Superman. So, you know, everybody can imagine he is Superman. They didn't have the baggage. He was a guy that came from vaudeville. He was a dancer, a weightlifter. And we had Noel Neal as Lois Lane. Now, these two would later make a cameo appearance in another movie, but um, I forgot to mention one thing. One thing that the Fleischer Studios brought to the table was Superman flying. I mean, now everybody thinks of Superman flying. He didn't at first. So when they say he leaps tall buildings in, in a single bound, he actually jumped over the thing. And that was it. But as they were animated, they're like, isn't it easier if we just let him fly? Yeah. <laughs> so Superman flying came from cartoons. Um, speaking of animated flying, the, the serials, these old serials from the 1940s. They had bad special effects even for the time. Cuz you would see Superman start to lunge and then this animated Superman would fly off. They 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 were different. But this thing was huge. It was so successful. I mean, it was going to theaters that wouldn't run serials. It's like watching a television show go from television and they're showing it on the big screen every week. That big. That's how big Superman was. And at this point, he really was everywhere. You would pull up to a gas pump and you'd have Superman approved gas. You'd have Superman bred. Um, Superman was used to market everything. He was that big of a phenomenon. And then this actually was followed up by a sequel, which brought his nemesis. Who's Superman's main nemesis? Anybody know? That's right. It brought him into the big screen, played by Lyle Talbot. It's called Adam Man versus Superman, and that was in July of 1950. The funny thing is, the guy that plays Lex Luthor, he wasn't bald, but he wore a bald cap. And these two nemesis, you know, Superman and Lex Luthor, off screen. They both love to cook, so while they're not fighting each other, they're trading recipes. <laughs> so, yeah, we can go from fighting to lobster bisque, just like that. And one of the more famous versions came after that as the Superman vs. the Moleman came out in November 23rd of 1951. This was where we first saw George Reeves don the suit. You know, Reeves was kind of a barrel-chested guy, but I mean, he was well-built. And, you know, he didn't play Clark Kent as meek and mild. He was very, you know, well, Lois, I think you better get it together. <laughs> and this Lois was Phyllis Coates. Um, now, Superman vs. the Mole Men was an odd little number, to be honest with you. It was <laughs> I've watched it, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm into that. It's about these uh, little people from the center of the Earth that invade. Well, actually, they just kind of wander up to the surface, and they're they're radiated. So... It's a message of acceptance, which is good for Superman, but once again, they used the animated flying. It was different. But the success of this led to the Adventures of Superman TV series, which they also had George Reeves on. And that premiered in September of 1952. And Reeves became the first really big image of Superman. Kirk Allen never really took off. George Reeves was huge. Um, By there are some... Uh, rumors that he was not happy with the role that he got typecast because he was in movies like gone with the wind. Uh, He was on his way up and then he went to war when he came back, he ended up with Superman, but he went all the way through with it. I mean, he would make personal appearances and he would have a villain called Mr. Kryptonite that would fight him. And actually you can in Metropolis, Illinois, which is just on the other side of the river, they have a Superman museum where his costume is in this case and up above is a Mr. Kryptonite costume. It's cool. It's about a six hour drive. And every year in June, they have a, a celebration. A Superman celebration. They got a 15 foot statue of Superman in the, in the town square. Uh, it's like going home. <laughs> I was actually there last week, so. <laughs> but that, that show went on, it was hugely successful until it abruptly ended. And, you know, Superman was this huge media icon, but he went into cartoons. Like, uh, there was a filmation in New Adventures of Superman cartoon, and then we had Super Friends, which was how I first met Superman when I was little. Yeah, you too? <laughs> Most of the people in my age range are like, oh, Super Friends, that's the first time I saw him. Um But, there was a father and son team named the Salakines, Alexander and Ilya. Um, they made movies, they produced them, they, you know, made money here... And they had just made a very good, successful pair of movies called Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers. And they did it by filming them at the same time. And so after that, they're like, well, what do you want to do next? Ilya happens upon Superman. He's like, let's, let's make a movie out of Superman. That was ridiculous. Nobody made comic book movies then. I mean, nobody. It was a kid's, you know, medium. Um, but they're like, no, no, let's do this. Let's take it seriously. Let's go all the way in. They got the rights. And they got Mario Puzo, who wrote a movie, well, a book, that became a movie called The Godfather, which was huge. I mean, this was one of the biggest movies, still one of the biggest movies of all time, one of the most respected movies of all time. And he wrote this screenplay that looked like about a stack of telephone books. Like if I were to throw it on the table, you know, the table would break. And they got this director named Richard Donner. He made uh, Afterwards, he had, he made Lethal Weapon... Um, can't think of other, other Richard Donner movies, but he comes to the table. He looks at this screenplay, and there's like Telly Savalas popping out. You know, there's a lot of goofiness, and he says, "No, we're going to do this seriously." And he brought a word to the table: a word, versimilitude. Anybody want to spell that? You want to take a crack? I can do it, but I'm <laughs> it's only after practice. Versimilitude. It means we're going to take this completely seriously, because. You know, look at the Adventures of Superman TV show. Look at the cartoons. It's Superman being Superman. It's not Superman being a guy. Or being Clark Kent. Or being, a, you know, that human side of him. Existing in a real world. But that's what he brought to the table. It's like, we're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to make sure they, you know, the audience believes this guy can fly. Which is on the posters. If you ever see the Superman the movie poster, you'll believe a man can fly. Which caused more problems than you think. Um, so, I mean, you've got this... Wacky idea. We're gonna do this Superman, this comic book movie. We're gonna take it seriously. How do we get people to come see it? Oh, we get Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. (laughs) Marlon Brando was well, he still is one of the most respected actors of all time. Like he is royalty. And to have him in a movie was moving the earth. (laughs) I mean, your movie was people would go see the movie just for if he was in it for five minutes, and they did. Um, They also nailed down Gene Hackman, who was another big, big actor. Uh, He had made The French Connection at this point, which is a movie none of you have probably ever heard of. (laughs) But uh, very, very big. But they were playing, you know, Superman's dad in Marlon Brando, his villain in in Gene Hackman. So who were going to get to play Superman? They went through, I don't know how many people, and we're talking like big name people. At that time, Burt Reynolds. He would, if he was in a movie, it was on fire. They tried Burt Reynolds. They tried Clint Eastwood, Nick Nolte, Christopher Walken at one point. No joke. Can you imagine that? Hey, Lois. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was in Batman Returns. Burt Reynolds. You think he would have kept the mustache? (laughs) (laughs) Now, the first person they had seen was a guy named Christopher Reeve. He was this skinny kid, you know, who they're like no he's he just he he he's not, he doesn't have a lot of acting experience we need a big name and then when they went back to saying we need somebody who's not a big name when they flip-flopped on that they're like okay bring him in a screen test if you on the DVDs you can actually see this he has these pits of of sweat in his superman costume he is so nervous he is so thin and oh that was thunder and um you know they're but at the same time when he steps into that costume you're like yeah that's the guy he has no muscles but i see it and uh so he was cast with margot kidder cast as lois lane which was a completely out of nowhere casting and mainly because those two had a lot of chemistry together now the problem comes in we've got our cast we've got a budget like i said they wanted you to believe a man could fly well the problem is those special effects hadn't been invented yet <laughs> I mean, the only thing we had was George Reeves sitting on a pan. <laughs> you know, same thing every time. And that wasn't believable because he would jump in. Um, you know, if he was doing a landing, he would jump on a trampoline, come through the window. Or he had a bar that he would swing in. That's about it. Otherwise, it's him on a pan <laughs> staring straight ahead. So they had to invent all kinds of special effects. Rear projection. So you had Christopher Reeve, you had You couldn't project him onto him because he's going to disappear. So they had to project it from behind. I mean... It was crazy what they had to do. They put him in these harnesses that were just like as painful as it gets. And he's in those for hours at a time. The problem is, when you're inventing special effects, you're paying for special effects. You have the time of inventing these. So the movie is out of control, because they're filming one and two at the same time. They think, hey, we're going to get them both in the can and be done. Well, you know, when the money's starting to stack up and the time is getting up there, they're like, uh, can we wrap this up? So they had to basically cut that off and i guess it was nasty because they repeat they were fighting really badly <laughs> oops um at the point where richard donner wasn't even talking to the producers uh but you know reeve looked the part he bulked up thanks to darth vader no joke the guy that played darth vader his name is david prowse he helped reeve bulk up he put him on a training regimen. you don't believe me i'm make, i'm not making this up James Earl Jones did the voice. Actually, David Prowse, I'm going to go on a side note here. David Prowse showed up thinking he was full on playing Darth Vader. You know, he's talking. He's really making sure he gets his lines right. He goes to the theater to see the movie for the first time. And suddenly that's not his voice. (laughs) Awkward. But no, David Prowse is the guy in the costume. He's very big, very menacing. uh, But he knows what he's doing. So he got Superman into shape. So everything is coming together. But they're like, we got to wrap this up. So they actually said, okay, we need to stop here. We'll come back for the rest of the second part at one point. Let's just get this movie out. Did a quick edit, you know, got it all put together and released it on December 15th, 1978. I want you to think about that date. That's about two weeks before the end of the year. Two weeks. But it was the second biggest movie of 1978. The only one that made more was Greece. Greece came out in June. Greece had six months. This had two weeks and, what, two days? It was that big. You remember when the Avengers came out last year, how big that was? This was that big, times two. <laughs> I mean, it was huge. Two weeks, $134 million, which by today's standard would be probably a couple billion. It was big. So, movies making money. You okay back there? <laughs> movies making money. Um, well, we got to get the second one. We got about half the second one filmed. Let's get back out there. But they decided not to get the director back. Uh, So they had Richard Lester, who was... He was at the time working as a go-between. So it was like, you know, say, you know, I'm mad at my wife. So I tell you, can you tell her to do this? And then she tells you, can you tell him to do this? That's awkward. So they removed Richard Donner, which caused a few problems because Gene Hackman was like, I'm not coming back to film the rest of my scenes. But they had some of his scenes already filmed, so... um, Richard Lester put in not only the missing scenes he also put in some awkward scenes because he wanted some humor so if you've ever seen superman 2 you see this there's a guy on a roller skate going down the road um, as the wind is blowing is blowing against it you've got a guy on a phone booth that gets tipped over and he's still talking and then you got wacky powers like cellophane s's where superman takes it off his chest and wraps it around and you know that mild inconvenience that's that's tripped up a lot of fans for a lot of years but I did find out one thing. At the end of Superman 2, Lois has learned Clark Kent is Superman. Well, how are we going to get that back in the bag? He gives her this kiss and she completely forgets it, which a lot of people have been mad about for decades. It actually happened in the comics. I did not know that. Action Comics number 306. So, we learn everything every day. That's why I'll never give myself an expert status because I'm like, I did not know that. Well, we've got two successful movies. Let's go for a third, right? This is where things get awkward because... (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I haven't watched Superman 4, but... Oh, we're going to Superman 3 first. I haven't even started on Superman (laughs) 4. Superman 3, they decided to get Richard Pryor, who was a comedian who was not known for clean material at all. (laughs) So... Right there, you know their logic is off because they're getting this comedian that you wouldn't necessarily play for kids to star in a movie that will attract kids and the thing The thing is <clears throat> excuse me, their thinking was he would bring some humor to the table. He was a funny guy, but all he did was stick to the script, which was awkward. <laughs> there were good parts of Superman Three, but most of it is just weird he's fighting a supercomputer. <laughs> But um, we didn't have Margot Kidder, but we had Annette O'Toole Lana Lang, which was one of the better parts of the movie. And then we have one of the, what fans agree is a phenomenal scene where Superman has been tainted by this fake kryptonite. And he's going all mean. You get him versus Clark Kent, and then it's just this big Superman versus Superman action. But he comes out and he does this chest rip when Superman, you know, wins. I still get goosebumps. The best scene of the movie. Easily, it had its good parts, but it didn't bring audiences. It it actually they released it in the summer, June seventeenth, nineteen eighty three. It was the twelfth grossing movie of the year, so we have second and third grossing movies of their years down to twelfth. Well, that's not good. (laughs) That's going downhill. Here's where the things get awkward because even more awkward. Like we're digging an awkwardness ditch because. The Salkines decide to make Supergirl. Why not? We have the rights to it. We can make a spin-off movie. It'll be great. Now this is before Superman 3. No, yeah, I like how you're shaking your head. Like nobody thought that would be great. This was before Superman 3 came out. They didn't know that it was not going to do well. A red flag should have come up when, for the villain, they wanted Dolly Parton. Yeah, nothing says villain like Dolly Parton. Uh, But they got Faye Dunaway. Um, They wanted Brooke Shields to play Supergirl, which was okay. Uh, Christopher Reeve was going to make a cameo. It was great, but Christopher Reeve dropped out. They couldn't get Brooke Shields, so they got Helen Slater, which is the only good thing about this movie. That was it. (laughs) The plot makes no sense. Um, The special effects are horrible. And even Warner Brothers, who owns Superman, who, you know, they were the ones that put it into theaters. They're like, we're not touching this. They gave it to another company to release. And it was it was called TriStar is the one that released it. This movie bombed. I mean, big. Nobody liked it. Nobody likes it today. How am I doing on time? Okay. And that's where we get to Superman 4, the quest for peace. See, at this point, the Salkines actually sold Superman. They're like, okay, we had Superman 3, it bombed. Supergirl, okay, we need to get this off of our plates. They sold it to a film company called Canon. Cannon decided, we're not going to pay for any special effects. And they actually finagled Christopher Reeve to come back. He did not want to come back. But they're like, well, we can give you input and you can direct a movie. Okay. He quickly realized this was not a good idea. (laughs) The budget was like shoestring. I mean, it was nothing, um, which you can see. They decided to have him fight a nuclear man. Now, the original idea was for Christopher Reeve to play the nuclear... No, no, (laughs) it was bad. They wanted Christopher Reeve to play both parts, so it's like another evil Superman, but they're like, no, we're not ponying up the money for that. This movie was, of, of, the, four, of the five we've talked about up to this point, the first one I ever saw in the theater, I, I yelled that I was unhappy. I'll just put it that way. I was not happy with the movie. It was the first time I ever left the movie theater mad. Um, it was just total and complete failure from beginning to end. It's <laughs> just bad. Now, I did meet the nuclear man. The guy that played him. Very nice guy. Mark Pillow has a great, great voice. Um, But they dubbed over that, so. (laughs) so, so Yeah, wasn't that weird? It was a weird, weird movie. It was bad. (laughs) But the thing is, that killed Superman as a movie franchise altogether. I mean, just like hit a brick wall. And that's where we entered some awkward years. 19 awkward years. Nineteen, um, they were they were still they had a new movie on the that they were working on at the time. Superman four. They tried a little bit further on that. Apparently, that was going to feature Brainiac, which would have been cool, but just never came to do. They're like, oh, we we can't trust in that. In the meantime, Batman became huge. Nineteen eighty nine, the uh, Tim Burton Batman film hit. That was mine too. I saw it in the theater. It was phenomenon like you I hadn't seen anything like that because I wasn't there when wasn't old enough to appreciate it. when Superman hit everywhere you went you saw Batman toys games uh, costumes everywhere and that went through four fairly successful movies well three successful movies and then Batman and Robin are we gonna are you guys gonna fight over Joel Schumacher I think we are Okay, Joel Schumacher apologized for Batman and Robin, and I forgave him. I think everybody He's should forgive forever. him. That was Batman Forever. He, he, Val Kilmer was okay in the costume, <laughs> but you have the, you know, you had. But this gave rise to some comic book movies. Superman actually went to TV. We had rights to the Superboy, and they made four years of a Superboy TV show. You didn't know that happened, did you? No. Yeah. It was. It was. It was good. It actually got better as it went. Um... It was syndicated, so I found out... I didn't realize as a kid, but it didn't play everywhere. And I missed, like, two years of it because they moved the time, and that was before we had the internet. Um, We had a Superman cartoon in 1988 that they had it at the crack of dawn. Like, they played it about 6.30 a.m. here. So me, being a Superman fan, I was about 9, 10. I would just stay up all night on Friday, so I would watch Superman... (laughs) Um, We had a show called Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, where we had Dean Cain. My wife's nodding. She likes Dean Cain. Actually, there was a reaction he had. Dean Cain came back. He was on Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy was talking about there's a new movie, and Dean Cain's like, oh, I better go get started. If you find that video, it's really funny. (laughs) Uh, We had Superman, the animated series, which is playing on the hub right now. Uh, This had the people that made Batman, like, "Let's, let's do Superman. And... They just knocked it out of the park. They really did. (laughs) That that show was one of the best ever. And then, of course, a little show that went for a couple years. You may have heard of it. Smallville? Yeah. That was a lot of people's introduction to Superman. He was big on the small screen. Smallville ran for 10 years. Nothing runs for 10 years. (laughs) Meanwhile, people were trying to get Superman in the movies. Just probably not the right people. We talked about the Tim Burton Batman. That was a pretty cool Batman movie. They had Tim Burton wanting that, that he was at one time going to direct a Superman movie. Does that seem out of place for you? <laughs> and who was going to play Superman? Does anybody know this one? Nicholas Cage. No. Yes. Yes. I and I wish I wish this had worked. I have pictures of him. They got to the point where he was in a costume. Like he had like a Batman style costume with the S. I can't imagine. I can imagine very few people That I'd want less than Nicolas Cage <laughs> Yeah exactly Yeah it was going to be called Superman Lives And a guy named Kevin Smith wrote it Kevin Smith is kind of like Well he's known for adult material A lot of profanity A lot of like, But I've read his script And his script was actually pretty good So that fell apart Now these people got paid by the way They got paid to do to not make a movie So good on them I guess Um, They they just kept trying. They had a movie at one point written by the guy that wrote the new Star Trek movies, J.J. Abrams. He wrote this script. It was going to be directed by McG, and I'm trying to think of what he directed last, but I can't think of it. He directed the Charlie's Angels movies. So right there, you know it's quality. neat thing is with this movie, (laughs) with this movie, they almost cast Superman. They had a guy who was on their list. It's a guy named Henry Cavill. This was in, let's see, this was... Gee, this was in 2002. Henry Cavill was going to be Superman, and then that movie fell apart. And the reason it fell apart was there was going to be a Superman versus Batman movie. Yeah, they were going to get Colin Farrell to play Batman and Jude Law to play Superman. And of course, that fell apart. Now, for me, at this time, I had the internet, I was aware of every single rumor. I watched all of these rumors. And I would, you know, get excited and then have my heart broken. Get excited have my heart broken. Which is interesting. Now, along the way, we had the rise of the comic book movies. We've seen a lot of comic book movies now. They've been around for years. We had X-Men that just blew the doors open. We had X2. X. Yeah, was that not awesome? (laughs) And we had Spider-Man. Sam Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yep. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Daredevil. Yep, and we even had Batman. Batman made a comeback with Batman Begins. Okay, a lot of Superman fans were getting bitter. We're dealing with the first superhero. Superhero, the first half of that word is based on Superman. Where's our Superman movie? Well, (laughs) be careful what you wish for. Yep, 2006. uh, Brian Singer, who did make that X-Men movie, who was well-respected, signs on. At this point, I'm still kind of flinching. He's like, no, it's not going to happen. And he's saying things that I want to hear. I mean, he's romancing me. He's like, we're going to do it in the Christopher Reeve universe. We're going to do everything we can to honor that. I'm like, oh, oh you're, stop. You're flattering me. This was the first movie I ever saw. <laughs> this is the first Superman movie, I should say, that had the internet as a component, as we saw it coming together. So when Brandon Routh was cast as Superman, people like well he has brown eyes he's not he's not bulky enough then we saw the costume we're like oh you've got the have the costume has yeah that's a good costume in that version his costume it was awkward because he had you know the neckline up to here he had a little bitty ass and then yeah his he was just not quite right it wasn't hmm The S did expand. When it was when he first debuted, it was a simple upside-down chevron or upside-down triangle with just a regular S. It's expanded through the years. So, I mean, that was normal, and this just kind of took it back. It was just like a little peg on his shirt. Um, they had the dark colors. As you can see there, they went with a darker red, brighter blue. But this is the first time you heard people, well, I don't like that. He's, I mean, just tearing it apart. Now, one thing people did like was Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. People were, people were pretty much on board with that. <laughs> And then we had Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane. Uh, nobody likes her. That I'm aware of. No. Yep. My <laughs> um, the thing is, we also got insight into how the movie was made. Because Bryan Singer was putting these journals up. So you'd see, you know, sets. You'd see the Daily Planet. Like, oh, it played to the fans. And then we also had, this is the first movie that also had tie-ins. You had toys everywhere. Which was a bunch of Superman figures. And one Lex Luthor in a parka. Nobody to fight. (laughs) We had video games. You had everything. But when Superman Returns came out on June 28th, it it was okay. (laughs) A lot of people complained that Superman didn't fight anything. I was married when I saw that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's like going to the theater. What was it, a couple months ago when Jurassic Park was there? I'm like, I saw the movie when it played here originally. and The girl behind the counter is like, I was four. Oh. <laughs> Throughout the movie, there's velociraptors, and you hear me sobbing. <laughs> so, Superman Returns comes out, does not make a big splash. Uh, it makes its money back. Most people will try to tell you it was a bomb. It didn't. It made its money back. It just didn't make a lot of its, money, you know, a lot more than that. Because the next week was. Uh, pirates of the caribbean and it just blew it away i mean that thing was number one so basically they're like they, they were considering doing a follow-up to superman returns just following that movie uh, they did not though they decided to go a different direction now in after uh man after dark uh, pardon me after superman returns we had the dark knight Biggest movie of all time. Well, it was, what, number two at one point, And then Avatar kind of went up. Huge. I mean, huge, huge, huge on like a global scale. Huge. Biggest movie of all time. After Titanic. 195 hours, minutes and three hours. You are blowing my mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you weren't born then. I went on a date to that movie. <laughs> uh, I was not born. Yeah, I, I know. Brother. <laughs> oh, I'm getting older by the moment um, so the, the smart money was this Christopher Nolan guy the guy that directed Batman who had made these independent features called Memento um, we had which was exquisite when you're older when you're older <laughs> um, Memento we had Insomnia really just not somebody you would picture as a comic book guy Made Dark, uh, Batman Begins, phenomenal, made the Dark Knight Big, big, big movie. <laughs> you know, huge. You can't underestimate how huge it was. Let's get him in on this little project to make Superman. Because there was actually a legal issue where if if they didn't make a Superman movie, they ran the risk of losing it. So they're like, let's get it on. So we get Christopher Nolan. People are starting to get excited. It's going to be different. It's going to be new. We get Zack Snyder. He made 300. He made Watchmen. Again, not necessarily the first person you would think of for Superman, but does anybody remember the build-up to this movie, to Man of Steel? I was watching their I mean, they were very careful what they revealed. None of us knew the plot until we saw the movie. They did that good. There were no, There were no leaks. Yes, I didn't spoil myself. <laughs> but we. Ha- so here's where we ended up. Yesterday, a movie, you know, Man of Steel came out. Fifty-six million so far. It's well on its way to $125 million, which would beat Iron Man's record in the same time. And we have, really, we have a new generation. As you pointed out, when, when I was a little kid, I was watching Superman. You weren't born. People my age who watched Superman as a kid are now old enough to have kids of that age. Be very careful about it. So the main thing is Superman will keep going. He will keep being reinvented. He will go into other media. Other media will come back onto the books. I mean, you look at the cover you have right there. He has, you know, the briefs. Well, now briefs are gone. We see that transferring into the movie. Superman is a character that about every 15 years will reboot himself, whether it's on film or in the comics. 1986, we saw a big reboot in the comics. Uh, We saw it again around 2006, we saw it again in 2011, which is where he lost his, his underpants. Awkward. <laughs> but the thing is, now we have been fast-tracked for a Superman sequel. Superman, for all the superhero movies that we've had or will have, it's that 1978 movie that changed everything. And it took a while for Hollywood to catch up, you know, with Batman, with X-Men. They're learning. But now, what, what we have a Thor movie coming out in November, We've had three Iron Man movies. Captain America. The Captain... um, It came out in May. It did really well. It's all due to Superman. Due to this comic book that just dropped on on the stands in April of 1938. 75 years ago. In 75 years... There's going to be somebody and I don't know exactly how this will work technologically, they may be beaming stuff into our brains. there'll still be somebody talking about Superman. There's been a lot of things invented before, you know, since Superman has that just haven't lasted. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing he is, he, he is a character that will evolve. And a lot of people call him old-fashioned. No, he evolves. He is the representative of good. He does the right thing because it's the right thing. Is there a downside to that? No. <laughs> but that's basically it. That's kind of the, the short history. Uh, I didn't want to bombard you because I will talk for hours if I'm allowed. My wife's back there nodding her head. He's like, I've seen him do it. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs> but if you ha- does anybody have questions or concerns, I'll throw the concerns in there too. Yes. I saw it. I saw it on Thursday. Oh, I, yeah. I'm. 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 I'm one of the few people that were kind of disappointed. The parts that I saw that I loved, I loved intensely. Henry Cavill is amazing. I have no complaints on him. He just he walks on the screen. He's like, okay, that's Superman. Kind of the same thing Christopher Reeve had. Um, the, all the cast was great. The villain was great. I think my problem comes to, on a technical front, where it was a lot of editing things I would have done differently, and then I have a big issue with something at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I, I would definitely urge you to see, by all means. It's definitely an experience. Have you seen the commercial? Yes, where he does the little nod. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Well what, what did you guys did you guys see the trailers for the movie? Uh, no. So far? Yeah, I have one. I have I What are some thoughts on the trailers without having seen the movie? Yeah. Uh I thought I saw uh a brain act in the trailer. Not that I was aware of. Yeah, I it, 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 um I thought it looked kinda of dark, like his whole uniform and the appearance of him looked a little more dark. It's yeah. muted, but when you're Watching it on the screen, it's not it's not as standout as you would think. Because I thought that, too. I'm like, is he wearing gray? Yes, sir. And, like, the outfit, like, the S got a little bigger. It does. Um, give you a short history of the S. Like I said, it was an upside-down triangle. Then they decided, they kept playing with the colors, too. Because if you see here, at one point, they had the yellow border, black background, and red S. Um, it evolved to get bigger, so it had the the shield shape rather than the upside down triangle they added you'll see it up you see that little spot right there at the top of the s where the little opening is it's called a serif where the little triangle is they added that they put the curve at the end and it it kind of it didn't stabilize at that until the 50s and then it got bigger and bigger so it was it was an ever evolving s <laughs> But the look of the costume has changed, too. Yes? Um, one of Superman's weaknesses is magic, right? Yes. So how does that compare to kryptonite? Like? Well, a lot of people do have, That's an excellent question, actually. Um, why does magic compare? Because Superman, his powers are science-based, more or less, because he's environmental. I'm absorbing yellow sun. It makes sense that magic, which is not scientific, that has no logic to that, would would have a way to penetrate. Because a bullet, I mean, it's just going to be proportionate to the environment. Magic has no, no restraints of so. <laughs> yes, sir? I've always wondered, is there, is there planet made of kryptonite or something? Is that why it's called Krypton? No, uh, kryptonite is named after the planet. Actually, here's an interesting, there's a book, and I don't, I don't know if I had not looked it up in the library system. It's called The Science of Superman. It's by Mike, Mark, Mike, Mark Wolverton. Um, he kind of talks about krypton. I'll get to you in just a moment. Krypton is one continent where we have several continents that have the tectonic plates where it can remove pressure. Theirs didn't, which may or may not have led to the explosion. But the thing is, he explains kryptonite by radiation. Everything has radiation. Light has radiation. Um, It's just there's harmful levels. There's non-harmful levels. With kryptonite, since it is in sync with Superman, since it's part of the same thing, it went through some of the same transformations going from the red sun to the yellow sun, it happens to basically vibrate at his frequency, for lack of a better explanation. So it allows that harmful radiation to get specifically to him where he can handle plutonium, where you and I could not. But that, because it basically syncs up with him, that's why it's harmful. He goes into much more detail, but I'm not a science person, so I kind of checked out at one point. I'm going to get to him and then I'll come back to you. Or did you? Well, I was wondering if blue kryptonite is common—a common or on Krypton because, like, I, I, I don't—I thought they like encountered it or something. Blue kryptonite is harmful to Bizarros. It, like Superman can hold it, he can do whatever he wants with it. But you get a Bizarro, and it does the same thing that green kryptonite does. They played with that. Uh, blue kryptonite, that effect where it took away his powers, was exclusive to Smallville. There was gold kryptonite that would take it away permanently. And like silver kryptonite. Red kryptonite, which would have a different effect each time. You might get an ant head. <laughs> it's happened. A lion head. Yeah, we, we've both seen a movie where he, these two people from the Justice League find this red kryptonite and they give him to Superman not knowing what it is and you just shrink, shrink, shrink and yeah. suit's huge. I think that was on Super Friends. So, yeah. yeah. And it could be wacky. And you you had a question, correct? <clears throat> does not the Red Sun, like if someone shot him with Red Sun, would he just turn into like an old man? Scientifically, it would take a while for that to, that that much, how much he absorbed to drain out of him. However, if the writer's like, I need him weak like now, sure. <laughs> <laughs> By what they've set up, no. He would not automatically become a regular guy. It would take an indeterminate amount of time, depending on how how much he's been in the sun. <coughs> Anything else? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more. Uh, I was wondering about Supergirl. That's his cousin, right? Yes. And yeah. does she come from the same planet? Or? She does, um, depending on the continuity. Um, Because they they would have something where all this happened. Like, no, no, none of that happened. We're starting from scratch. Um, Supergirl was originally his cousin, Kara. Um, She lived in Argo City. Argo City actually survived Krypton because they built this dome over it. And it was drifting around in space. But even that started to fail because it started turning to kryptonite. And they built lead underneath it, but it started to seep through. Like, we got to do something. So they sent her to Earth. So, yeah, it's his cousin. But there was another Supergirl before her. That was kind of tested out, where Jimmy Olsen got this totem where he could wish, whatever he wanted, and he felt bad for Superman, so he wished to have a Supergirl, but she kept messing things up, <laughs> and eventually she sacrificed himself for him. But she was such a big hit. That's when you got his cousin from Krypton. And uh, how does her power compare to Superman? Um, in the original continuity, it's on par. Now this Supergirl around the death of Superman era. She was actually from an alternate reality. She had a lot of different powers. She was not his cousin. But they kind of did away with that one and brought the original origin back at that point, which was in 2005, 2004. At that point when she came back, she had been soaking up so much sun, she was more powerful than Superman. <laughs> but she didn't have the amount of control he did. So, And that was, if you watch, there's a DVD called Superman, Batman Apocalypse that kind of deals with that. Anything else? Okay, I appreciate y'all coming. I hope it was somewhat entertaining. I do ramble a lot, so. And so that concludes my presentation at the Willard Public Library. What a cool experience that was! I really am very appreciative for them to vi- inviting me out uh, to my friend Chris Stewart for setting it up. Very, very big thanks to Chris Stewart, um, who I don't give enough shout-outs to on the show. Uh, but what I'm going to do is take a quick break. We're going to go to a promo. Kinda of get our heads together. Um, following the promo, we are in spoiler mode, full on spoilers for Man of Steel, the what's turning out to be one of the biggest movies of the summer, one of the biggest superhero movies of the summer. But what did I think about it? Got a lot to say on that, so I'll be right back. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis A Superman Podcast The New 52 Adventures of Superman Superman Forever Radio I've got a few things to say about Superman The Carousel Podcast The Superman Vidcast The World's Best Podcast And Radio Kale from SupermanHomePage.com Join hosts Michael Bradley John Wilson Billy Hogan Charlie Niemeyer J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cameron Storr, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Yunus, and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Okay, we're back, uh, which I'm going to give one final spoiler warning. I'm going to go very in-depth with this as far as my feelings. I'm not going to go through the entire plot, you know, point by point. But I'm not going to hold back after this. So if you have not seen Man of Steel, please turn away. Go see it. Come back and see if you share my thoughts. Okay, with that out of the way, I am going to jump into this. Um, I'm going a little bit freeform because I have a lot of negative. But I also have quite a lot of positive. Uh, And I'm trying to decide, I'm going to start with the positive. Um, We start with the Krypton. That we haven't seen before, and it is a great Krypton. It's very action-packed. Uh, Russell Crowe is an action hero; he actually acts as such, and brings Jor-El into that, which is much like the Superman: The Animated Series. The Krypton portion is fine with me. I'm content. Looked cool, great action. Uh, then, of course, Kyle is rocketed to Earth, where once the, you know, once the rocket's about to land, we jump ahead thirty some odd years um, to another Christ allegory in the fact that he is 33. And Superman, or Clark, is working on a boat. He does a great action sequence by saving some people out of a burning uh, oil rig, which we knew about from the trailers, which we've seen some of the set visits. Um, Most of the pacing on this part has a lot of problems, because it seems like we just get scene, move to scene, move to scene. Uh, We're jumping back and forth in time without a lot of solid transition. That's a craft thing. What we do get is, so far, the acting is superb. Russell Crowe... Lara, who's the actress, I can't pronounce her name, um, and Henry Cavill. I'm just going to say it right here. I love Henry Cavill. I thought he was born to play this role. He exuded Superman top notch all the way through on Henry Cavill. Uh, some of the beefs I have, and this is a nitpick, is you know, he gets the suit by finding an old ship. Uh, the ghost of Jor-El in computer form shows him his suit. He puts on the suit. We get a great scene of him learning to fly, but we don't understand what this suit is. We don't know why he's wearing it. All we know is this machine gave it to him, which is fine, I guess. I'm okay with that, because it was cool. It put him in the suit very quickly early on. We get uh, Lois Lane making her debut, Amy Adams. Amy Adams was good. She was written great, Um, up to a point. But ultimately, we get a lot of action. Um, We get a General Zod that has a pretty simple, straightforward motivation. Um... He's wanting to rebuild Krypton. He wants to terraform it. And the codex is within Kalel, Which is a bit of an odd plot. But I'm still on board. I'm still on board. Um, Aunt yay Trow, who plays Feora, is phenomenal. Feora, pardon me, is just wicked cool. Start to finish. Loved I Loved everything up to a point. I was on board. Until we got just another action sequence after another. And the small village action sequence was... They were good, but here's the deal. That's where something happened. We entered the third act, which was kind of cool because we had Superman fighting this robot thing, which I'm always for Superman fighting robots. I'm still on board at this at this point. We've had emotional moments, which it's kind of a manly film. Anytime we start moving into emotional territory, we move away. Uh, we get an emotional moment with Kevin Costner as Pa kent and it's like, okay, okay, we're sad. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have a great scene where Pa kent dies, which is a lot of people aren't down with that but I'm fine with it and we move away it's just anytime we approach emotions we, we jump back whoa whoa we can't do that we cannot emote in an action movie my problems begin not with Lois Lane knowing Superman is Superman early on in the movie I'm fine with that it makes it makes it a little bit easier it's kind of like organic web shooters which I was always content with the problem begins in the third act Which is a third act full of destruction. It's full of chaos. It suddenly turned into a Michael Bay movie. And not a good Michael Bay movie. We're not talking The Rock. We're talking Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, or Dark Side of the Moon, Michael Bay. It's confusing. There's a lot of action. And it comes down to, once we've had our climax, where the movie should be hitting its falling action, something changes. We have a one-on-one with, with Superman and Zod. Which should be okay. Unnecessary. And the, I could actually... I could feel the audience visibly tighten up. Like, oh, we've got another action sequence. This was just one more punch in the face, metaphorically speaking. But okay. Final Hero Showdown. And then the point where the negative begins. The big negative. The thing I can't forgive. The thing that had me... Almost walking out of the theater. Superman kills Zod. He kills Zod. He kills him by snapping his neck. And suddenly, fan division was made. I have been thoroughly on the negative side of this. I don't believe Superman should kill. I don't think he should kill, especially in a medium that will be introducing it to many people. I don't think you should be killing in a medium that will introduce it to a lot of people who may be getting their first perceptions of who Superman is. Superman's not a killer. He's just not. He's not the Punisher. He's not Venom. He's Superman. And there's been a lot of justification for the action. Because the scene is, you know, Zod is almost going to kill some random innocent family. Okay. Great. But why why are we here? Why were we written to this point? And I just actually, before I recorded, read an interview where Christopher Nolan was opposing the killing of Zod. Uh, but Zack Snyder and David Goyer in their infinite wisdom, uh, air quotes, decided, oh, it's just not enough. The climax that we had where Zod was originally supposed to get sucked into the Phantom Zone with his compatriots and possibly have a moment where he's trying to drag Kal-El in. That would have been cool. That would have been fine as... We're saving Lois. We're fighting Zod. He's getting sucked in. It's just like Star Trek. The first then 2009 Star Trek. But no. That wasn't enough for them. They sought out a way to have Superman kill Zod. They sought this out. This was their desire. Even DC originally said, no, no, no. Superman doesn't kill. Superman doesn't kill. And they went about a way to try to convince people that Superman would kill. And that's how we got the scene. And here's what upsets me about this. There are people on message boards. There are people who I've heard talking about the film who like that aspect of Superman. They like that Superman killed the villain. That means Superman's not outdated, Boy scoutish. If Superman's ready to kill the villain, oh wow, he's hardcore, isn't he? That's what he does. That's not what Superman is. That's not what he was meant to be. Superman's just not a killer. And you know what? It had me to a point where I was almost done with fandom. Because I've been doing this show for three years, not continuously, I will admit that, and my main mission was to show people that truth, justice, and the American way, that altruism, that doing the right thing for the very sake of the fact that it's right is a good thing, and that Superman stands for something more than you and I. More than just a stupid comic book. He's more than this. He's a symbol. And in one fell swoop, in one swift snap of Zod's neck, everything I've done here, everything I've wanted to do, or everything I may be thinking I've done, is gone. That's what it felt like. And people desired that Superman. And I was, I was, I was done. I wasn't uh, going to come sit down and record this episode. I was just going to walk away. Much like Office Space. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Because why should I? And to pull the curtain back a little bit more, I, you know, was thinking that maybe, maybe it was time to end the show. Prior to that, that maybe it was just a good jumping off point. And it went from maybe let's gently bring it into a closing or put it on the shelf for a little bit and work on something else for a while and come back to it. But it went from that to. Absolutely despising the fact that I felt like I'd wasted three years. And that what I saw in Superman was not what people wanted. And that the detractors that I have been talking about in trying to arm Superman apologists to counteract were getting their way. They were getting the Superman they wanted. I'm not going to say I don't have a lot of reservations about this move. Because, as I spoke about in, in the speech in the, at the library, Superman is a character that, in the comic books, he will absorb things in other media. Uh, Kryptonite, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, Flight came from other media outside the comics. And the fear that grips me is that when we are in a, an era where Dan Didio is a factor... And they are seeing that, hey, Superman killing Zod in this movie, hey, it's getting a lot of attention. It's very controversial. The message boards are lighting up. It suddenly occurs to me that there's a very good chance that down the road, we may see Superman kill somebody in the comic again. And let me, let me kind of jump off that and come back to it. Because that's, that's another point in my little tirade here. Most of the justification for what happened in that movie. A movie that should be self-contained. It's an origin. It's an introductory story. That should be set up the ideal of hope. Remember, that's in the trailer. That's in the movie. And, and how do we set up an ideal of hope? We snap our enemies necks. Eh, doesn't work for me. But apparently it works for some people. But let me let me continue down this path. Justification in the story is he had no other choice. In the context that we saw that... Yeah, I can almost say yes, that's true. Almost. Almost had no other choice. Almost had... Oh, wait. What, did, what do you mean by almost? What do I mean by that? You mean if he had enough strength to snap that neck, he couldn't push the head the other way and let the family run away and continue the, the fight? You're telling me that he couldn't find another way. Superman would always find another way. But... Further defense is Superman number 22. uh, Volume 2, number 22, in which Superman executes the Phantom Zone villains. Here's the difference. He did kill Zod. And a lot of people say he killed him in Superman 2, which is technically true. That was bad editing. They shot a scene where Zod was arrested. This was an after effect. And somewhere out there, since the Donner Cut exists, that gives us proof that they... Phantom Zone villains were not killed. They were arrested and when depowered. And then, as far as execution, yes. That was crossing a line. That was crossing a line that I was not comfortable with when I was 10. I may never be comfortable with that. But here's the deal. The character had repercussions. Superman had a reaction. In the film, you have this nice scream. It's an emotional moment. It almost works. It almost sold me. But the next scene, which is a great scene on its own, both of the uh, great scene. But the next scene is him saying, "Hey, I'm here to stay. Here's your drone plane. Tell the president he should trust me," which is a great scene. But, but, he's not dealing with what he just did, which is crossing a big, big, big line, a line that was a theme in basically all three of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight movies. In Batman Begins, it was a big point of contention with Rachel Gould. In The Dark Knight, the Joker was trying to push Batman over that one line. That one line that is not killing. And here, Superman, right out of the gate. The character that, more than any other, should have that symbolic code against killing. The character we can rely on to do the right thing. We have him snapping the neck of an enemy. This was bad writing. This was not intuitive writing on the character. This was David Goyer and Zack Snyder wanting something of shock value. By their Almost by their own admission. They didn't use those words, but that's exactly what they were looking for. Snyder said he didn't want people to go in with a preconceived notion of what Superman is. What that says to me is I wanted to shock people. I wanted to play to the detractors who call Superman outdated. I wanted to show them a badass Superman. That's what it says to me. And that's unacceptable. Superman doesn't have to go to these lengths to be super. Up to this point, people were already on board. Just watching the reaction of the audience, they were excited. The thing is, as soon as you went to that Zod fight, the audience became exhausted. And hey, here's the deal. We destroyed half of Metropolis in this movie. People have died left and right. There are buildings. The, the, the destruction we see in this movie makes 9-11 look small. It makes... Uh, it makes almost everything we've ever seen look small. This is destruction on such a huge scale. I mean, at one point, the characters are standing in a big black crater that used to be part of Metropolis. And yet, in a train station the family that doesn't seem to have enough sense to run away for some reason is Superman's main concern as Mark Wade pointed out on a great review. The reason it doesn't work is we haven't seen Superman going out of his way to save citizens so far. Why start now? And Zack Snyder and, Z- and David Goyer basically answered that. We want a Superman that that non-fans can get on board with. And to do that we have to kill. We have to Sell Superman down the river, we have to dilute him? Really? That's a sad, sad state of affairs. That's an unacceptable state of affairs. And there are people who have waited so long for this movie. And they wanted so bad for this to be a great movie. And they wanted to see Superman get the reaction he's getting to some extent that people are starting to love this. I mean, the movie is huge, it's the biggest June opening of all time. It's setting records, it's a bona fide hit. The sequel's already been green-lit. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. This is a huge success. Yet, at what cost? There are people that are seeing the success. We are getting the reaction we want, but at what cost? And it makes it easy to try to justify that one scene, because most of the movie was good. Most of the movie was really solid. A little, I wouldn't say joyless. I know that's been some of the critics' portion But it was a little antiseptic emotionally. We never went all the way through with a lot of emotional moments. We started them and then we moved on. Like I said, it's a manly movie. But to me, manliness doesn't mean killing. And the fact that Superman kills in this movie, no matter how good Henry Cavill was or Russell Crowe or the special effects or the action or the costume, no matter how good the rest of that movie is, in that 20 seconds... It invalidated everything for me. And there are people that are of the mindset that, you know, the bulk of the movie was great. The performances were great. The special effects were great. But that one thing, you know, that that's out of place. I can let that go. I can't. Because it's like this. I want you to picture a high school prom. The tux is rented. Your lady's dress looks fantastic. You're having the greatest time. Your friends are there. This is a rite of passage. Everything is Perfect. And then you get in a horrific ox- uh, car accident. Which which part are you gonna remember? Hey, everything was great up until that car wreck. And that's what I took away from the movie. Say what you want about Superman Returns, and I will, um, I have. Superman Returns was a weak movie. It was not the right movie for the right time. It was a generation, you know, it was a generation too late. But you know what? I walked out of Superman Returns feeling good. I had a feeling like I had enjoyed the movie. I walked out of this feeling dirty. Even with the last scene, which is great, where Clark Kent comes to work at the Daily Planet, I thought that was great. I thought the line was great. Until I thought about it, to talk about tickets to a play, Steve Lombard's hitting on Jenny Olsen. Wait, everybody's happy? Half of Metropolis just got destroyed. People are Dead. There's going to be huge financial repercussions. We just saw aliens from another planet tear the crap out of this place. And suddenly things are back to normal a couple days later? No. If this is supposed to be the real world, there would be repercussions. What about maybe a candlelight vigil with one lone candle hanging up above, flying up above, held by Superman? Showing us an ideal of hope. Where everybody's looking up to the sky. That'd been a great scene, wouldn't it? Didn't happen. No repercussions. And maybe that'll be explored in a sequel. Maybe. And if they make a sequel, will I go see it? Certainly. Certainly. Just because I think I need to. But it wasn't explored here. We had one scream, a little bit of crying, and suddenly Superman's back to being Superman. With no real repercussion. And I can't... I can't... I can't abide that... So it, it it really did divide me emotionally. I spent a lot of time brooding on it. And I was in communication with John Wilson and Michael Bailey. Michael Bailey quite a bit. Just trying to process through it. And trying to get past it. But I'm not going to. That's the honest truth. You know, the bulk of the movie was great. Would I tell you to go see it? Certainly. Because I want you to go see it and form your own opinion. Which at this point, if you've made it this far into the spoiler review... Uh, you know you've probably hopefully already seen it or you didn't heed my warning which is your own fault sorry but there is a silver lining to this even though the movie was a disappointment I'm not getting rid of my 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 man of steel merchandise because it is a point in history for the character you know I have an electric blue Superman figure I have you know things that while I didn't appreciate the design or the concept they're part of his history it's a rich history. It's 75 years of history. But it made me reconsider a lot of things. As I said, I was at a point where I thought I could peacefully put the the show on the shelf for a little bit, kind of put some work into some other projects, and then maybe come back down the road, reinvigorated. And then that that quickly turned into me saying, I will not do this show, I'll have nothing to do with it, and being... Well, a little overwrought. I'm not good with dealing with emotions, especially strong emotions. But it occurred to me that I can't quit this show. Uh, Temporary or not, I cannot quit this show. Because so long as there are people out there that want a Superman that kills, so long as those detractors have even the smallest victory, and our character gets, gets taken down a notch... I cannot quit this show. Now, I'd like to say it's because the world needs this show. That this show does some sort of great service to the world. And, you know, on my best of days, maybe I've I've changed somebody's mind or brought something good to the world. But I think the truth is, if I'm being completely honest, I cannot quit this show because I need to talk about what makes Superman Superman to me. I need to show myself and talk about why Superman wouldn't kill. Why this is a big deal. Why this is not the greatest super bo- Superman or superhero movie ever made. I need that. And I'd like to think there are a few people who will benefit from me continuing to, to talk into this microphone about this good character who does the right thing for the right reasons. So this show's going nowhere. I'm here to stay. I've got a lot of plans. I want to show everybody what I want to show everybody what I see in Superman. Why he's important to me, why he's important to the comic book medium, why he's important to the United States and the idea of the United States mythology. Because that's what Superman is. That's what some of these superheroes are. They're our mythology. When scientists, you know, find the ruins of our civilization centuries from now, they're going to find these comic books. They're going to see these, these comics I have hanging on the wall that are encased. They're going to explore the Hulk. They're going to explore Superman. They're going to explore Spider-Man. It says a lot about our culture. It reflects our culture. And they're probably going to find Man of Steel. And I hope when they do, you know, and they see this scene... Or Superman kills Zod. Somebody says that's not Superman. That's my goal. So I'm, I'm reinvigorated. I'm here to stay. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I was going to take a really mediocre break a few weeks, a few months. But no, I'm coming back next week. I'm coming back the week after that until my Superman is clearly communicated. Until there are people who don't want a superman that kills who realize that's the antithesis of what this character is which is a character of hope an ideal to strive for none of which was communicated in this movie but that's 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 my negative (laughs) that was a lot of negative there was a lot of negative i needed to get out of my system this is a big deal this is a very big deal it's not just a movie This is a major blockbuster. This is an entry portal for many people to look at Superman. And if the people that love the fact that Superman killed get a hold of some of the pure Superman material, they're going to be turned off because it was misrepresented by David Goyer and Zack Snyder. And hey, I'll give props, mad props to Christopher Nolan. He was the one that said, no, it'll never work. But you know what? What do I know? I'm just a guy with a podcast and I'm going to continue doing this podcast. I'm going to continue telling everybody about the good things about Superman and his world because they make a difference to me. They've made a huge difference on my life, a huge difference on my friends' lives. And you know what? Week to week, you're coming back to download this show. So I'd like to think at some point this show has made a difference in yours. So I'm going to step back from the microphone Let me just do a quick overview of Man of Steel. Krypton, cool. Smallville scenes, cool. Kevin Costner, phenomenal. Henry Cavill, couldn't ask for a better Superman. Worthy successor, in a lot of ways, on par. If maybe not, in some cases, a little bit better Superman than Christopher Reeve. In terms of today's world. But taking a quote-unquote realistic take on Superman fails in this film. And Superman doesn't kill. But here we are, we're almost at the 90 minute point so, I am going to retire. I want to thank you all for listening. And, you know and if for some reason you you're hearing this portion of the show and you have not seen Man of Steel, don't let my opinion don't let my opinion stop you from seeing the movie. Make up your own mind. go see the movie. make up your own mind. But truthfully, I've said what I want to say. Uh, if you have counterbalances, please don't. don't send them in. Uh, Not because I don't want to argue... Oh, it is because because I don't want to argue about it anymore. I don't want to argue about whether or not Superman kills. In my world, he does not. And that is the Superman that I am going to continue to talk about. And to that end... To that end, I am going to announce what's going to be happening for the next 19 or so episodes of this show. Because we're still in the 75th anniversary of Superman. This is a huge deal. This should be a celebration. And I just flung a lot of negative... But I'm doing that to bring the positive. So to celebrate Superman's 75th anniversary, I want to kind of change my course a little. I want to truly appreciate the last 75 years. And to do that, I'm going to read one story from each and every year of Superman's existence. From 1938 up until this year. One story from each and every year. Four stories per episode. 75 stories to show the full evolution of of the Man of Steel. I want this to be the ultimate anniversary read-through. So starting next week with 1938, 39, 40, and 41, the big 75th anniversary read-through. We're coming back to the comics. I'm going to show you everything I can about these stories so we can explore together the evolution of this amazing character. So come back next week, same place, supermanforever.com or iTunes, however you get it. And until then, I'm J. David Weeder saying keep on fighting the never-ending battle." Superman Forever Radio is a NAP World production. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review. The show's episodes and extended show notes are available at supermanforever.com, where episodes premiere every Sunday. Episode postings can also be found at the supermanhomepage.com. And at supermanpodcastnetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of quality Superman podcasts for your listening pleasure and episodes are also available on Stitcher Radio. Email is always welcome. The address is mail at supermanforever.com. You can friend and follow the show at facebook.com slash supermanforeverradio. And David is also on Twitter with the handle at superdaveweeder. Weeder is spelled W-E-T-E-R. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not gain profit from the images or related properties of DC Comics' Or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman and all related characters are copyrighted properties of DC Comics and Warner Brothers Entertainment. All music and sound clips are used for entertainment purposes only, and copyrights remain with the copyright holder. No infringement is intended. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. As always, thank you so much for listening.